Michael, you have 10 seconds to think about the topic of breath <laughs> and 30 seconds to tell the world. Ready? Go. You know, everybody knows my background, where I come from. It was shown at the very beginning of NXT. I'm the grandson of a legend. I'm the son of a WWE Hall of Famer. My name is Michael McGillicuddy, and by the end of NXT, I'm gonna take your breath away. Huh. Not bad. The future is now. Welcome back to another episode of Half K NXT. Your new boy, Nando O'Neill, alongside Larry the Axe, always with the facts. What, what kind of facts? Machines. <laughs> oh, man. I was thinking micro machines just now, too. Nice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> micro machines, Hot Wheels, bro. Yeah. My my dad used to make fun of me because I, I think as a kid I would always put the uh, the micro machines and other smaller cars into the VCR because he thought I was putting them inside because it looked more like a what you call it like a car garage. <laughs> so to this day, no matter what, whenever they see any type of small car or whatever, my dad always tells that story to you know whoever's around, and uh, that's that's why as soon as you said. Machines and I said micro machines. That that's the first thing that I thought. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> that's like how uh, Clone Mark. His mom used to love telling this story about how he used to cry uh-huh. when Super Mario died. <laughs> oh, wait in in the, in in the, the video game. game. Oh. <laughs> so like, he was playing, uh-huh. and then you know he died. And he goes, and he would just start crying. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how old he was, yeah. and I didn't see it, but I'll never forget that. But every time I see him, I'm like, oh man, you married now, man. You a grown man. You yeah, a teacher, yeah, yeah. but I'm like, I know. I know you used to cry when Mario died, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love those stories in a way because, of course, you hear them a thousand times when they, you know, your parents tell them. But once they actually tell that story either to newer friends or even your spouse, in that, in that situation, your spouse, mm-hmm. it's funny that they uh, kind of retell those old childhood stories. Straight up, because more likely than not, that particular instance about you is not with you anymore. So yeah. it's like it's almost embarrassing or you just own it and it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well. Welcome back to season two now, bouncing back from the question that we had from last week of our, our feedback over on how we think the move for for NXT to go on to USA. There was a, a question that we had on Twitter where since now NXT has, you know, basically been the third brand for all this time, but now that they're going to have more time on on USA since Sasha and Bailey had teased when they initially won the women's tag team titles appearing on an episode of NXT that they'll defend the titles across any brand, they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and neither has any of the 
following women's champions. But now that there is going to be more time available, do you think the current champs, Bliss and Cross, will actually go to NXT and defend the women's tag team titles? Cross Bliss. Cross Bliss. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, first of all, um, shout out to the women's tag title holders being treated just like the men's tag title holders to where they're not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if you want equality, there it is for you. Exactly. Um, I would hope so. Like, Mm -hmm. just to give... I mean, I don't... I, I think you have to get you would have to get the belts out of the hands of Cross and Bliss before you could defend them on NXT. Yeah. Even though they're both like NXT graduates, like Alexa Bliss facing NXT wrestlers has no value. Mm. Like it none of those matchups in my head really make any sense for her to wrestle any of them. So yeah. it won't do her no good because either they would be too green. And Bliss isn't strong enough to carry a matches like that. Or some of those girls down there are just really seasoned and then they'd make Bliss look bad. Yeah. So it's like there's no reason to have them defend those titles. But if you put the titles in the hands, I mean, unfortunately, they already broke them up and they're not a team no more. But like Bailey and Sasha would have been the best ones to defend them on NXT. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they were so loved there. They both accomplished a lot there. And they're both veteran enough to where they could, you know, have the less seasoned ones look really good Mm -hmm. and the seasoned ones, you know, look even better or, you know, just the seasoned ones can keep up with them and vice versa. Yeah. So I think right now they won't play with the tag titles. I mean, they probably will, but it won't make too much sense. I don't think you should do it just yet unless you plan on like just kind of sneakily tossing those titles on NXT because there's not too much value right now with convoluting. Yeah. Like your, your possibility of your storylines of having these tag titles jump through you. That, I think that's what, what messed them up too. Cause that's like what, besides the 24 seven title, that's the only one that's defended in inter inter brand like that. Yeah. Cause they, they teased it at that point mm-hmm. once they won it, because that's the other thing is that there's only one pair of women's tag team titles. Mm-hmm. So it's not exclusive to Raw or SmackDown. So that's what kind of gave it that openness that it could actually be defended on any WWE Mm -hmm. brand at that point. I guess in theory, it's cool, but in execution, Mm -hmm. it's not because at least with the 24-7 title, you're not really writing matches. Yeah. You're just writing jokes and storylines. So like the boys can do that themselves and come up and just say, hey, let's do this. You can't really leave the fate of a of a contested title to the boys and girls. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? You can't just be like, all right, here, look, you guys are just going to run with whatever storyline you want for these tag titles. No. Yeah. Like that's, you know, that's a little much. So I think they crapped their pants with this one. Yeah. I think you were right where <clears throat> it, it seems like they were trying to set that up with Sasha and Bailey, because when you think about the women's tag teams that they had in NXT while they were champions, it would have been the perfect time to do it because you still had Kyrie and Eero, yeah, Kyrie and Eo teaming up, mm. and I believe you had uh, I forget what was the other women's tag. You got team. some horse women, but, but yeah, I mean, like there was at least two or three in NXT, and then you could have spread some around between Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, like they could easily find something for them to do for you know at least like ten minutes a show. Yeah, yeah, maybe five if you want to be cheap about it. So yeah, it could work. 
It probably won't, but you know, they got nice belts. Yeah. Cause the the only way I thought they they could do it if they wanted to is kind of have Bliss and Nikki make a surprise by going to the first episode of NXT on USA and kind of treating it like a oh, you know, we heard there was a a party going on here since it's the first episode mm-hmm. and opening it that way. And then them just being a little too cocky and saying that, oh, since we're already here, we might as well do like an open challenge. And then the only thing I can kind of see is kind of how you were saying with the alumni Mm -hmm. is to have the Kabuki Warriors come back. That would be dope. Yeah. And then at that point, it's whichever way they want to go. Either they officially move Asuka and Kyrie back to NXT or they just win the titles on the NXT program. But then they go back to SmackDown at that they point. Should, you know what they should really do if you want to be slick about it? You do that. Mm-hmm. You have them take the titles off of them. Mm-hmm. And although they, this will probably be burnout for them, mm-hmm. but they travel with like Raw and SmackDown or whatever. Yeah. Wrestle on house shows. Yeah. Make appearances like on Raw and SmackDown, but only really defend the titles on NXT. Oh, okay. That would be dope. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like if, you know, you can make appearances because they travel with the main roster, but they'd only really defend the titles on like pay-per-views. Yeah. Yeah. Just have them, you know, and then you could wrestle matches here and there on this show. Yeah. You could wrestle matches here and there on that show. But if you want to just keep it simple storyline wise, mm-hmm. you only defend the titles on goddamn pay-per-views. That yeah. way, that's where your storylines begin and end all the time. Just to keep it kind of fresh. Keep it 100 at that hey, point. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, it makes more sense. And they ain't gonna do it. Yes. They're just gonna like, they're gonna do some stuff. They're gonna have these beautiful belts just kind of sitting around and they're gonna fade them. <laughs> yes. But I do hope how we were mentioning that in time, hopefully they do build up the NXT women's tag team roster. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it will make more sense for them to kind of defend the titles there. So I wonder how much talent is going to be brought back to NXT once they get two hours. Yeah. Because they're going to do it. I could see like what Apollo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Brizango's already back. Yeah, they're back. Brizango's back. Uh, maybe the Kabuki Warriors. That's, what, want, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like it, you could put them back on NXT and you could have like the whole. Uh, Goddamn Yakuza together. Yeah. If you want to put three, three women together. Because it would be cool where, yeah, if, say in the scenario I just laid out, so then they win the women's tag team titles. And since no one has been able to beat Shayna yet, you can have the two women's champions who've never lost the, the NXT women's title mm. go up against in the ultimate champion versus undefeated champion kind of. This is true. Yeah. So. We'll save that for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely, yes, I am very interested in seeing those belts move around to the, dif- to the different brands. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, we'll get started with the episode. I can't believe also that we're already on episode 20. I felt like we just did 10 and 0 yesterday. So. Oh, you already know I'm thinking about the the uh, divisible numbers of five episodes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> We'll, we'll see how this one uh, this one does based on that. We were thrown off a little bit by episode 15 because that ended up being a, a pretty good episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. There's always an anomaly. So yeah. <laughs> that one's a black sheep probably. Yes. <laughs> All righty. So, so yes, this is episode 20. And we're, of course, watching it on the WWE Network. This one happens on July 6, 2010 at the Phillips Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. And the WWE made a 
big deal at this one too because I think at this time they were gonna do WrestleMania next year. And yeah, I'm I, a little confused. I was like, wait, why y'all talking about WrestleMania so much? This is July. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm guessing they were hyping it up because they were gonna go to not this arena, but mm-hmm. in Atlanta in general. We start off with the recap from last week's episode, and just to kind of give you guys a recap from last week, we had the return of the keg challenge, which Lucky Cannon won and also won immunity. He didn't really need it because he was okay, I think, in either fifth or sixth place. Mm -hmm. I I can't remember. I I like how they showed in this video package Caval's decision to not participate in the the keg challenge because last week he had mentioned that he wasn't going to participate just because the keg weighed (laughs) more than him. So he didn't want to damage his body going into the match. And I don't think I mentioned this last week, but uh, I... Overall, that was the best move for him because he actually ended up winning last week in his match. So he did the right he did the right thing mm-hmm. last week by not competing. Preserves his body mm-hmm. for the contest he had later on in the night. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last week they also did a surprise poll elimination. It was supposed to happen this week, and they uh, they surprised us by doing not only the first poll from WWE Universe and the pros, but they also did a surprise elimination. And unfortunately, my alter ego persona had to go in, uh, in Titus O'Neil, so I'm a little disappointed by that. But I know. was very disappointed, but, you know, it made sense. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Titus, but, you know, always our boy here. One half of Slater Gator, so, you know. You already know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so we start off the show, and <laughs> I had here that... Matt Stryker was in the ring and he looked extra chipper to me. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I think it may have just been because I I can't confirm this 100 percent. But it seems like the Ashley Valence experiment probably ended because Mm. she was nowhere to be found in this episode. So maybe he was a little extra cheerful and happy about that. You know, he gets back to his, you know, overlord duties of having all the duties to himself. Yeah. So it Stryker kind of makes sense. Like to say. Yeah. Yeah, sure, man. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, from that point, Stryker introduces all the pros to the stage. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool because kind of how we've been mentioning both MVP and Kofi are still super over with the crowd. Uh, when, once they were coming down, the crowd was giving them probably the biggest pop of the night, I think. Yeah, so we get kind of feedback from the pros based on Titus's uh, elimination. And from his pro, Zack Ryder, he says that, or actually he says that he wants to find out who actually voted him last because he doesn't feel that he should have been last. It was kind of cool because I think Ryder was a heel at this point. Mm. So it was kind of cool to make it seem that he really got along with Titus and was really by his side. So I kind of liked it because he, he may have been somewhat in between, but if he was a heel, it was really cool that it showed that it made it more realistic that yes. the, the dynamic was there between the pro and the rookies, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Then we get Morrison's feedback, and he also agrees with Ryder. He tries to kind of clown on <laughs> The Miz here because he says that, you know, he doesn't think that Titus should have been eliminated. Or I should say Titus shouldn't have been eliminated. That's right. He said uh, if he could vote somebody out, it would be The Miz. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Cole kind of does the wah, wah, wah. He's, like, he's trying to clown on morrison by telling kind of a dad joke at that yeah, point no, that one didn't work yeah <laughs> so uh yeah then striker brings out all the rookies it's kind of funny i don't know if you caught it where when alex riley came out he 
stole uh, Lakel's clipboard. Oh, I miss that. <laughs> oh, that's where he got that clipboard from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he literally just like snuck up and stole, I think, uh, Michelle McCool's clipboard out of, out of her head. And then he just kind of ran back into the ring at that point. <laughs> oh, man. I knew I was wondering where he got that dang clipboard from. It was pretty. It was pretty quick, and yeah, he's a sneaky guy. <laughs> I like how buddy, buddy, Kofi and McGillicuddy are because I think they do like a handshake when he passes by, since Kofi's chair is the closest to the stage. So they kind of just give each other a high five as he's coming down the ring. Once all the rookies are in the ring, Husky kind of bullies Striker again because they're still <laughs> continuing that storyline. He bullies him just because Striker had asked him, you know, how does he feel being in seventh place since he's pretty close to elimination now and uh yeah he just kind of tries to bully him out after he kind of called him out there then uh he gets i should say striker gets feedback from alex riley riley says that you know he's best friends with vince mcmahon and everything but then cole quickly kind of calls him out on his bs because he says you know how can vince be your boss if you haven't even got a wwe contract yet so it's kind of weird that Normally, Cole is super Miz pro, and I thought he would be pro Riley as well. But it's kind of cool that he still sees them as rookies, so he doesn't want to give them too over. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like keep them in their place. Like, I'm all for your pro, but not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to earn that. You have to earn my heckling (laughs) support. My heckling support. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, then we get our next rookie challenge which is the return of the talk to talk challenge this uh this challenge is pretty much where each rookie gets a topic and they get 10 seconds to kind of think about what they're going to say in their promo and then they actually have 30 seconds to you know do their promo the live crowd again gets to pick the winner and not only that but the winner this time gets to host their own talk show next week which you know it doesn't seem like a big deal but at least i like the fact that these two uh the challenge actually makes sense for the reward you know mm-hmm. what i mean because you know if you're gonna win this this challenge you have you actually have to cut a good promo to do a better promo next week you know that, that makes sense yeah that, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> you'd be like let's do the talk talk challenge and the winner gets their own pair of wrestling boots yeah boots yeah <laughs> i want to talk for boots <laughs> so yeah i'll, I'll give them credit for actually making the uh, prize and the challenge related, you know? So, uh, yeah. Did you, uh, did you want to give out your scores for each one? I- I'll go ahead and say the, uh, the rookie and the topic. And yes, then, please uh, do. Yeah. So first we have Percy Watson and his topic is glasses. So, all right. So I knew he was going to do this. Yeah. And he referred to his glasses now, originally, I'd scored this a four because he said, you know what? Uh, I wear these glasses because they help me see where I'm going or like help yeah, me see yeah, yeah. getting to the top or something like that. And I was like, oh, man, that's inspirational. And I said, wait a minute. Uh-huh. You wear glasses and don't have lenses. Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. try to use that as a metaphor <laughs> for seeing where you're going yeah. because those glasses ain't helping you see nothing yeah. without lenses. So I bumped that back down to a three. So I thought his effort was average, but his subject matter was unpolished. Right, right. So... Three for Percy Showtime Watson. Yeah. He had said something about the vision, and I automatically thought of Vanessa Bourne. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the world of vision. <laughs> she's, she's here already. <laughs> nice. Uh, so then next we have Caval, and his topic is 
chicken. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I gave him a two. Uh-huh. Just because I thought that he could have got to whatever he was trying to say without pandering to the crowd so much. Right, right, right. Because right. it was like, yeah, I'm not a chicken. There's no chicken in me. And I couldn't do this without the WWE universe. Like, that's nothing to do with chicken. Exactly, yeah. Just tell us that you're brave and let your deep voice, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just illustrate that with his toughness. Yeah, yeah. The, the only plus I'll give him is that he actually squeezed in everything in exactly 30 seconds. But... Yeah, I, I still didn't like the pandering myself. I didn't, you know what? Because I just don't, he don't, it don't look real. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just comes off kind of fake. Yeah. You know, you don't get to kick people in the face that hard and then talk about how you love the crowd. Like, just be tough and just sell that. So, yeah, I just, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's his pros telling him to do that kayfabe-wise. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you had 10 seconds and you decided to pander. Shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree, I agree. So I'll, I'll let you review this one, but I'll I'll also just kind of do an insert for myself to play the full clip. Next, we have uh, Eli Cottonwood, and his topic was mustache. Big Eli Cottonwood. <laughs> Your topic is mustache. You have 10 seconds. Ready, go. What is a mustache? <laughs> It's a little bit of hair growing over the upper lip. I don't have one. Nobody else here has one. But you know what? A mustache is for a real man. See, of all these people here, I have the best mustache of them all. I thought he give said me a couple more days, I'll have a nice, thick mustache. But none of these boys right here okay, will ever have you, one. Eli. I thought he said he didn't have a mustache. Michael McGillicuddy approached the podium. <laughs> Mr. Cottonwood got a two for yeah. sure. And that's actually being kind of generous yeah. because he was talking about how, um, <laughs> first, how he doesn't have a mustache. Yeah, yeah. And he stops and he thinks about it. And then he talks about like how real men have mustaches. Yeah, yeah. No, he said like, I don't have a mustache. Nobody here has a mustache. Real men have mustaches. Yeah. And I have the most mustache. <laughs> like everybody here. <laughs> like, what? Why did you just double back on that? Just go ahead, just bash mustaches, bro. Yeah, yeah. Commit. He changed his mind. So he's like, wait a minute, nobody else has one. I got one. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two, man. <laughs> I just I just love how cringy and and awkward it was and it was really funny seeing uh the camera do a close-up on john morrison because <laughs> morrison couldn't even hold it in either because that fool was just cracking up oh my god uh, but to me in my heart of hearts i this was my favorite secretly man <laughs> all right then we get our boy michael mcgillicuddy and his topic is breath yeah buddy five Five, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not even going to lie. I don't remember anything he said yeah. until the end where he said, I'm going to take your breath away and stop and smile. <laughs> Did he also pose, too, I think? I, I just, like, remember see, like hearing it. And then, like, I was like, oh, you corny. And I looked at him and he was smiling. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, oh, that's perfect. It's like a commercial. Yeah, yeah. Five. He stayed on topic. He got himself over and he used the word stayed in time. Yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> I, I hella laughed at this when I saw it because you can just tell that uh, this was clearly 
McGillicuddy just being one of the boys in the back where, you know, he was just not only giving himself a good laugh, but he was trying to crack up the the, the boys in the mm-hmm. back too. So I, he, I really appreciated it. He went for it. I love that. <laughs> so Mr. McGillicuddy gets fired. <laughs> nice. So then we go to our other boy. I, I think season two is probably one of our favorites just because we have so many... <laughs> Of our boys in here, you know? Man, I'm saying, it's like damn near the whole cast. Like, oh, man, it's my boy. Oh, man. Love it. Man, Mr. Uh, what is what is his topic? Oh, uh, Husky Harris's like, uh, doorknob. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I gave him a three initially, but I'm thinking about it. And he's like, I use a doorknob to get here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm gonna go back up to four. Oh, nice! Yeah, because uh, that's good humor right there. I'm yeah, like, I don't remember nothing else. He, you know what? He pretty much did the exact same thing as McGillicuddy yeah, because yeah, he yeah. talked about how he was a third generation, third generation yeah, yeah. and then he used the word cleverly. He, three, <laughs> three. That, that's there was a reason why I didn't go that high because I was like, wait a minute, I just heard this. Yeah, nice. No, <laughs> I agree. I I think that's what I like too is that they both kind of did back to back. Similar promos, but still entertaining either way. Oh, my God. So then we get uh, Lucky Cannon, and his topic is deodorant. Yeah, buddy. You know, I'm looking at my notes, and it says three, but I'm going 4.5. Because he he painted this, like, long, drawn-out story that was, like, supposed to be kind of like how... (laughs) How deodorant to... A sweaty body. Oh, right. Yeah. Is, or like a stinky body. A body that needs deodorant and a stick of deodorant. Yeah, yeah. Or like how he is to the WWE. <laughs> so I was like, wait. <laughs> so he's saying you just stink up the joint? Or yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But, you know, I like the effort of just saying, like, you know what? We can't live without each other. Yeah. It's, it's also funny because I think every five seconds he was telling the crowd, all right, stay with me. Stay with me. Because he knew what he was saying was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I, I think the same thing. I appreciate the effort of really getting such a weird topic and trying to make it all make sense. That's know? a weird guy. I like Lucky Cannon. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, then we get Alex Riley and his uh, topic is Pigeon. Yes. So I went three because, um, I mean, although the, the, the word was kind of difficult, I think Riley relies too much on his bully persona mm. to try to get himself over all the time. Mm. I, like, I think it's good for his character, but I think for his, I get like for the, the sake of having depth. Yeah. It doesn't really do him any favors. Cause I know you can do that really well and he falls back on it really good. But I, I, I think he's good enough to show different layers mm, yeah. not too many layers because it's just nxt like i don't need a whole multifaceted performance yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but i think he could he could be i think he could be funny but he just doesn't yeah or what he thinks is funny isn't funny yeah it's interesting that, uh kind of doing a sidetrack here but now that you mentioned layers i think it's kind of cool because or cool but also interesting that since this is their TV debut for all eight rookies on NXT. In a way, a lot of them kind of do also get kind of a soft reboot since uh, most of them came from FCW. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of the other part, too, is that they kind of have to 
kind of re-identify themselves in front of a, a crowd that's never probably never seen them mm-hmm. outside of probably uh, hardcore FCW fans. So I think that's the hard part is that, yeah, like I, how you mentioned that his he's a one one character note with the whole uh, bully and varsity villain kind mm-hmm. of aspect. But I've noticed that the WWE is kind of similar to like comics and mm. uh, and TV shows where it's the same thing when you first watch a comic or I should say watch a TV show or read a comic where those characters are also one dimensional because you haven't built a relationship mm. with them yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, now now that you kind of compare uh, his pro, for example, with The Miz then you can kind of see that with his uh, reality persona when he first started there, comparing to what The Miz is now, yeah. where you got to finally been able to kind of create those layers just because of the amount of years that he's been with the company. True. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just want... So if I'm thinking, you know, if this is elimination co- like mm-hmm. competition, I would think that, I guess, kayfabe-wise, in your mind, you would be like, okay, let me show as much versatility as possible so they vote me in yeah yeah, yeah. so that's where i kind of get the mindset of saying all right i want to see some more layers because yeah for all you know like you're going to be out next week so it's in your best interest to show everything that's that you true. got that's right so true. like i guess on a kayfabe way that's why i gave him that score mm-hmm. but if i was going to grade this realistically it probably should have been a five yeah, yeah because yeah. he went in there and he stuck to his guns, stuck to his gimmick, and went through there, and that's really good. But I guess when I was looking at these, I wanted more from them because you're supposed to be able to like not only just talk the talk in your gimmick. I'm taking it as like this is a competition. Yeah. What would you go out there to do to win? Would you? Are you going to show somebody the same thing week after week? Like if this was American Idol, you're yeah, not going to yeah. sing the same song every week. That's true. You're going to sing different songs with different vocal ranges to show to what you could do so i'm thinking all right if this is a con- look this was popular around the same time as american idol so mm-hmm. you should apply kind of i mean if somebody really wanted to be like okay let me just how can i stand out the most just apply that and then people are going to gravitate toward you because you're going to appeal to different types of people yeah yeah no i <laughs> you bring a really really strong point there because yeah kind of putting myself in the opposite uh foot or i should say the opposite shoe where as a just a casual fan i'm the same way i would have been thinking okay who's this guy or i've seen this guy last week and he's just doing the same thing as he did last Mm, week so yeah yeah, you you bring up a really good point and the other aspect was similar to a quote that regal said before where he says that you know going out there and wrestling a match in front of a, a live audience it's just the same way you have to tell a story similar to a movie where you kind of have to get uh you have to you know catch them right at the beginning because you know it, it's just like a movie where it could be someone's first time actually watching a wrestling show mm-hmm. for the very first time so you it's your job to actually go out there and not just be the same person or do the same performance you actually have to engage people who first uh who might be experiencing wrestling for the first time too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's what, that's really, um, that's the difference between a, like a great match. Yeah. yeah. And, or so that's like the difference between a five-star match and say like your four-star matches. Yeah. Cause your four-star matches don't have to tell a story. Yeah. They just have to be action packed. Your yeah, five-star yeah. matches have to tell a story and be action packed. Yeah, the, the you know what I mean? Yeah. It has to have that, like that combination of both. So when I just, for me, a five-star match is, I don't know which one, but Undertaker, Shawn Michaels yeah, yeah, at yeah. one of those WrestleManias yeah. was real. Like, they were both really good, 
But I think it was that first one because you didn't know if they were going to run it back. I think it was 25, yeah. Yeah, like that was that yeah. to me is a five-star match. Yeah. Like when I think about like the Undertaker's career, I'm like, all right, which one of the Undertaker's match was really good? And yeah. I, like that one for sure. Yeah. I think I think you hit it right on the head where I for me. I put Cesaro and Sami Zayn there, their matches that they had in NXT on that same level where it's a, a four or 4.5, mm-hmm. just because technically they are, you know, unstoppable and it's probably the best performance that you can do. But it just fell right underneath it just because, yeah, if they had applied a little bit more storytelling, then it, it would have yeah, been exactly that of, mm-hmm. a, of a five for me at that point. Yeah, because I think that's. Those type of five-star matches that get you emotionally invested mm-hmm. is what really separates professional wrestling from any other sport. Yeah, yeah Because yeah. when you have, like, that match that's just a great technical or, you know, back-and-forth affair, like, those matches are great. Do not get me wrong. I'm yeah. not knocking them at all. Yeah. But the real beauty of professional wrestling is the the when they have the ability to tell you a story, like, with their bodies, essentially. So it's like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Yeah. Because kind of similar to what we were just talking about with MMA, that's the thing that you can't really tell it with MMA. You can only do that with the video promos beforehand <laughs> to tell that story. Because at that point, you know, the match could be done in 30 seconds or really not tell a story. I but, know. But, <laughs> but that's the beauty with wrestling is that you can afford to tell a story by doing really good technicality, but also to get that emotion to the crowd. And yeah, that. That's exactly what you stole the words right out of my mouth when you said the beauty of it. You know? Right. It's like, yeah. man. So like picture, <laughs> picture this. So we got the Royal Rumble yeah. going there. You win the Rumble and yeah. then you have this build from January to WrestleMania, the main event. Both of these guys were talking all this trash and they went in there and you got knocked out in five seconds. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. yeah. How disappointing is that yeah. to see that? Like, it's almost a letdown yeah. versus like, you know, if the build was that long and they went and they had this match that just kind of encompassed everything they presented to you up until then. Yeah. That's a beautiful match. Yeah. No, totally agree. Actually, that's just a beautiful program. Yeah. Like period. If you could run it that way and it comes out like to a T, mm-hmm. you're just like very well executed. Afterwards then. Yeah. Striker gets the, the audience to kind of uh, determine the winner. So Percy, yeah. Right off the bat gets a really loud pop. Then Kaval kind of gets a mid pop at that point. Eli got a ton of booze, which I felt bad, but you know, that happens. Amen. <laughs> and then uh, McGillicuddy also kind of gets some mid booze. Husky kind of gets some really loud booze, which I didn't expect, but I think the he's really getting over the the gimmick of just being a bully, especially against Striker. So he's more of a bully than Riley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's paying off and the the fans are actually believing his character more just mm-hmm. because he's actually committing to the whatever he's saying. He's actually committing mm-hmm. to it. Like he's a physical bully versus Riley being just like a jock bully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And Lucky kind of Lucky kind of gets a mixed reaction where some people boo and some people cheer. And then Alex Riley himself does get like a mid boo. It was kind of funny because. He was just saying throughout that whole thing, it was like, oh, but you know, it was good. You know, it was good. So like, at least he was trying to play it off at that point. Mm. So by that point, yeah, Stryker kind of just announces that Percy is the winner based on his initial pop. Yeah. So he he is the winner of the second Talk to Talk Challenge on NXT and will host his own show next week. 
I I actually laughed really out loud here where uh, they kind of cut to Josh and Cole. And then uh, Cole tries to land some some names for Percy Watson's, you know, talk show. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, Showtime and Primetime. And I just bursted out laughing because at that point, Josh just says, you know, Cole, you're absolutely terrible. And <laughs> I think it's just the way he said it that just caught me off guard. And it just really, like, made me really laugh at that I point. I like their dynamic. Yeah. like... Cole just be saying some really stupid stuff. Yeah. And then Josh just looks at him and says, what? Yeah. Come yeah. on, man. Now, you know that was bad. <laughs> exactly. Showtime Percy Watson. And what this means, Josh, is next week right here on NXT, Showtime will have his own talk show segment. I've been thinking a little bit about this. Oh. You could call it, uh, well, have some mercy, Percy, or how about Showtime and Time Time. You are absolutely terrible. Why? It'd be a great, great talk no, not at all. Showtime and no, no, we got time. it. Everyone got it. Ladies and gentlemen, still to come tonight. Yeah, then we go to commercial break. And I I was surprised because at this point I looked at the timer and this segment ran 20 minutes long without having a commercial break. I know. The first thing I wrote when I saw that was help me, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, I'll give him credit. I was actually surprised. I I knew it was kind of long, but once I looked at the timer, I was surprised that, you know. I was entertained by it that it didn't feel that it was 20 minutes long. No, I, yeah, I was freaking out. And then I looked at the timer and said 14 minutes. So I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to do more of that than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> so after commercial, we get the first contest of the night. It is uh, Percy Watson going up against Michael McGillicuddy. They, uh, they show our girl Jamie Keys again. But again, no name tag and no mention of her name at all. So... They're still dogging her. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> At this point, Percy Watson is one and one and McGillicuddy is three and oh. So he is currently, I believe, the only undefeated rookie from the bunch. Yeah, they start off the match and they're doing something different here. What did you think of the pros standing on the apron this time as opposed to just being, you know, on the floor in their corner? I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like- to me, it just looked like. If I just tuned in, it looked like a tag match where their pros just forgot their gear. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> did you guys not bring your gear? <laughs> you know, like, that's kind of a distraction because you have to worry about, like, what if I wanted to Irish whip somebody in that corner? What mm-hmm. if I was doing a move that caused me to, like, you know, what if I was going to do that thing that Ricochet does where you just, like, oh, little yeah. 619 out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. What if? I have to, like, kick you. Yeah. And, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the next matches, but then Lakul was in their match as well. And that takes even more of the of the space there. Yeah, too. it's like, what do you come on, man? Like <laughs> handicapping me. <laughs> so yeah, Watson and McGillicuddy kind of get a fast start, but they're kind of going a little bit too quick where they mistime a drop kick spot. It didn't look as pretty as the drop kick that Percy had landed last week. Or oh yeah, I, I was a little confused too. That was like first thing I noticed. I was like, what the heck is this a weird drop kick, karate kick looking thing? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, they were, I had, they were on like full steam ahead. I think it was a lack of musical entrances. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you definitely need to you know even though you know, it's not their team, you got to cool down with your music, get pumped uh, up. But yeah. they were just like, oh man, what is this? What is this? Yeah, yeah. They kind of run the spot back though, and then McGillicuddy ends up hitting a nicer drop kick at that point. But yeah. it was pretty much uh, let me show you how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, the commentators are discussing McGillicuddy's promo from earlier. And they kind of bring up the breath of fresh air quote. I was thinking that this is probably going to become the new winds of change kind nice. of uh, thing. So in my head, I was thinking that, oh, they better watch out for him because he might 
secretly becoming or creating his own nexus group at that point you know? mm, <laughs> mm, wink wink so just just be keep an eye out on mcgillicuddy that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah and then uh in the closing sequence because this match was pretty short watson uh is able to hit some nice drop kicks again finally and uh gain the momentum but then out of nowhere mcgillicuddy hits this really beautiful sunset flip reversal and yeah, it just gets the win at three minutes exactly. And yeah, it caught me off guard, but it looked really, really nice. Oh, yeah. The Sunset Flip is one of those unappreciated wrestling moves because you can make it look really pretty uh-huh. or you could do it kind of crappy. But he made that thing look beautiful. He like dove mm-hmm. over him. Like it was kind of like, <laughs> like a dolphin jumping out, <laughs> jumping out of water. And he's wearing those aqua like tights. Yeah, he's yeah. a little dolphin. Yeah. At that point, if I was a judge, I would have held a 10 at that yeah, point. Majestic <laughs> Dolphin, Mr. McGillicuddy. <laughs> nice. I, I like that. <laughs> so afterwards, then we get a video recap of the keg challenge from last week. And then we get a Titus O'Neil pro review package, which uh, I'll go into the detail and then kind of give my feedback on it. But Morrison uh, kind of clowns on him saying that when he does the dog bark, that he kind of sounds more like a walrus as mm-hmm. opposed to a dog. And that uh, MVP says that, you know, he still needs some improvement. And uh, the Miz also kind of calls him out on his uh, make it a win promo and then pausing. So he's kind of just clowning on his uh, promo skills at that point. Even though he can talk, he just caught him on on that bad promo that he... I like the the little video analysis thing. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I was like, oh, you guys actually pay attention. Yeah. So, uh, like, they said some nice stuff at first. I mean, barely, but... Then they broke him down kind of what Cody said he needed to brush his teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he would have like way more charisma and all that stuff as long as he brushes his teeth. Yeah, Man, yeah. ask me. Yeah. I, but it's funny. It, it's mean and funny at the same time. I it, I guess it, it works just because he was kind of still somewhat dashing Cody Rhodes, but not fully dashing. Mm, yeah. So it made sense that he was kind of doing the, the pretty boy gimmick yeah. at that point. So I was going to say it was kind of weird that they showed this promo even though he's eliminated. But I'll give him this might be in one of those scenarios where I'm giving him too much credit, Mm. (laughs) but it does kind of work out because when you think about it in the kayfabe manner, they weren't aware that they were going to do the surprise elimination last week. Mm. So So they had it chambered up ready. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll I'll give the production team a, a, a bonus point there. Yeah, I think this video package was perfect because he got eliminated mm, yeah. since it was mostly trash talk yeah it kind of illustrated why he got eliminated yeah so i thought it made a lot of sense so i enjoyed this one for sure yeah no i i liked it too and yeah i kind of agree that overall i i do enjoy these uh pro review feedback from uh from from season two better than season one mm-hmm. so next we have the miz going up up against caval and Caval is currently one and two with his first victory last week. And the Miz is still 0 and two from season one. <laughs> so we'll see if the uh, the Miz picks up his first victory here. Overall, what did you think of the uh, this matchup as well? I like Caval matches, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. So they're always fun to watch. But for for me, this match really showed, I guess... How I I think I'm not just gonna say it like flat out that he's underrated, but I think the Miz is underrated. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. On like 
every aspect of sports entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not bad in the ring. He's just awkward. Like, his movements are kind of awkward because he seems kind of unathletic. Mm -hmm. But he's solid for what he does. We're not expecting him to go out there and hit moonsaults and drop kicks and all this junk. He just goes out there. He kind of brawls a little bit. He flows some moves together. He bumps. Um, You know... Caval is a good performer too. So I think they're somehow, some way, their chemistry meshed very well to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, it looked really good because I, the Miz is either a glutton for punishment or he's just open and willing for you to kick him. Yeah. 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 I can think of a lot of good highlights of the Miz being kicked over the years. <laughs> so, you know, this was. On paper, probably a really weird matchup for some people, yeah. but it came out dope. Yeah. Like, Caval got that, his offense in that you just can't stop. Mm-hmm. It, you would have never thought that he was a little guy, but by the way, he wrestled because he goes out there and just kicks crap out of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in The Miz, he did his thing, but it, the way it worked together was really cool because I thought that they they told a, a interesting story. Like, they were almost like peers, mm-hmm. the way that they were wrestling each other, but then, you know, what happened was The Miz got the upper hand, but throughout the match you if you were just tuning in you would have never thought that it was a pro rookie relationship yeah, yeah, in the yeah, match yeah no i i agree and i think now as as you were saying that i was kind of thinking of just the Miz's track record and i think it's definitely the thing where you know when he started off i think in 2004 2006 that uh of course he was still learning the ropes and becoming a wrestler so he's pretty green and then during this point he's improved a lot in the ring but still wasn't as technical as you mentioned Mm. but by this point in his career he was already showing that that veteran status of being able to work the crowd more versus Mm. actually you know how he mentioned doing moonsaults and and technicality and i think that's why this match worked so well because caval is more of that technical style Mm. and of course an in-ring veteran and the miz is more used to the wwe style yeah so that's perfect yeah, where yeah you have yeah. an in-ring veteran yeah. and then like a tv veteran yeah, 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 yeah. great it, it, that could work wonders so that was good i think once the Miz started wearing wrestling trunks mm-hmm. and kick pads that's when he really turned his himself around i think yeah, yeah, yeah. before that when he's wearing all the stuff on his arms and in the like leather shorts and yeah yeah uh, nah, man. yeah <laughs> before i get to the closing sequence of this match i I, I like that spot where the Miz was kind of going for a back body drop and then Caval kind of spin midair and then just landed on him with a splash. I don't oh, know yeah, that was gonna, dope. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that, I don't think, in a while probably. And yeah, that just caught me off guard and was a really good spot. That was a good win. Yeah. In the closing sequence, the Miz does try to go for a super suplex from the top rope. Caval kind of reverses out of it, but then the Miz is able to bounce him off the top rope it's kind of the same stuff that we've seen before where the wrestler kind of gets their neck tied on the top rope. Mm-hmm. And uh, while Caval was dazed, then the Miz just kind of snuck up behind him and hit him with a skull crushing finale for the win. Yep. He had him dazed and then he hit a special on him just like in the video. <laughs> <That> was <laughs> or was, it, was the word? Groggy. Groggy. He's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's groggy facing the rear and he hit, what was it, like R1? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Got him with that SmackDown special yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, one charged up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he picks up the win at 8.15. And yeah, like how you mentioned, I 
I had here that they just had really good chemistry together, and I I really like this match overall. Yeah, I was um I was ignoring my uh, <laughs> I was ignoring my manager at work watching this match. That man, they man, they got real good chemistry, and yeah, I was yeah. just kind of glued watching it. Yeah, and then I could see like these two people in the corner of my eye trying to talk to me, but I really wasn't with it at the time because I didn't want to stop yeah. take my eyes off it. Yeah, and then once the match finished, then I went to him. But granted, they had started trying to talk to me in the middle of the match, so mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time I actually got back to him, they forgot what they wanted to ask me. <laughs> nice <laughs> so afterwards then we get a we get eli cottonwood's pro f- review uh video package over seven feet tall and 300 pounds the biggest of the nxt season two rookies is eli cottonwood right away eli cottonwood calls attention to himself just by being seven foot two he's scary looking even i have to look up to him he's so tall he's so scary I'll lie in the weeds, I'll hide in the shadows. And when I strike, I'll strike with vengeance. People that's usually the quietest have the most built up in them. And getting him to let that out is going to be what makes him a success. When you watch him in his matches, does his seven foot one intimidate you? It doesn't to me. I think it needs a lot of work. Big man's down. You get him on the ground, that is where he's the most vulnerable. He's going to have to realize he's a big, big man. And he's going to have to dominate these guys. Some of these, like, comments they give are probably cheesy and, you know, holding no weight. But a lot of these are really valid. Yeah, yeah. Cottonwood is very clunky and clumsy looking. Like, his feet, or not his feet, but... He um he does look very uncoordinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. He <laughs> he's not as uncoordinated, but he kind of reminds me of the great Kali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like times ten. Yeah, yeah. But you know, still kind of that tall, slow, lumbering type of individual. It's interesting because correct me if I'm wrong, but this may have been the first time where they have a legit seven footer who they didn't write off the bat market as a giant you know what i mean because mark henry in this promo also kind of mentioned something cool where he says that as a big man himself that he doesn't really have that intimidation factor and Mm. i think it's because yeah he's a he's a he's portraying a rookie with the other cast members but when i think about it all previous giants in wwe like andre the big show Giant Gonzalez and mm. and the Great Cully have always been brought in the company as the biggest threat. You know what I mean? This is true. Height usually gets you a instant push. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I didn't think about that until just now as you were saying those things. So I think that may yeah have worked against him because obviously Cully was in the same spot where he was he, and it's still for the most part isn't that technical. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, they put him in the World Heavyweight Championship spot like right off the bat when he debuted on SmackDown. So mm. I think it may have been just that thing that in this case, I know what they were trying to do with the whole NXT concept, but it probably just didn't work for him in his favor because, yeah, I think from my memory, he's probably the first giant that wasn't pushed as a dominating giant, you know? That's right, because when you're a giant, you just it doesn't matter how good you wrestle. You yeah. just get put in there because you're tall. Look at the giant in WCW. Mm-hmm. He was like champ. When he like champ in his first match? I think you're right. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, now I I think we just unraveled here where yeah, 
they like, set him up to fail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. man. <laughs> well, sorry, Eli. But I think he's one of my boys now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now that I thought about it, there, this whole season might be boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the boys now. <laughs> you're the only one I was really kind of questionable about. Yeah, everybody else is already secured. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, it's kind of kind of interesting. I re- literally just Ooh, thought about oh, it. Oh, this is going to be an interesting season. Now. Yeah, <laughs> man. We go to commercial break, and when we come back, we do the raw rebound, which we've renamed the Nexus update for mm-hmm. for our podcast. Yeah, dude, that's really all we care about. Yeah, and that's really all they cover in these raw rebounds, <laughs> anyway. So it's not like I know any of the other storylines going on on Raw. Anyways. Well, it was fine because they was beating up on John Cena, and he was all the rage. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> So the Raw GM was saying that Barrett and John Cena had to kind of call a truce in the middle of the ring. And then, uh, of course, Cena wasn't going to do that. And he tries to go for an AA. The rest of the Nexus came out to help him out. Then the Raw locker room comes out to help John Cena. And I had here poor Darren Young. By default, he is now the jobber of the Nexus. Yes. John Cena applied the STFU on him the whole time. And then uh, the Raw GM says that because, you know, they didn't do a truce, John Cena now has to face all seven members of the <laughs> Nexus next week on Raw. And then uh, at that point, Cena just keeps beating up Darren Young. So, yeah, I felt pretty bad for him. Sorry, Darren. It had to be someone. So believe that. <laughs> Then uh, then we just kind of get a video recap of the Money in the Bank. I didn't know that this was the first Money in the Bank pay-per-view either. That's right. It is 2010, isn't mm-hmm. it? I know they've had Money in the Bank ladder matches, mm-hmm. but this is the first pay-per-view. That's but. right, because next year will be like the 10th anniversary. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy. Then, uh, then we get... Our other boy, Husky Harris, and uh, man, the pros really love him. I, I think I had here that this is probably the best pros feedback so far as far as being pro of that rookie yeah all the rookies kind of praise him overall what's not the praise baby <laughs> come on man this is a, it's just you see his shirt you see his him his boots yeah his aura but no he's just good yeah, yeah. you know he's he could talk he can wrestle he's just visually not your stereotypical superstar. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think I think that's what works in favor for him at true. this point. Yeah. Cuz now of course we have we're in the modern age in uh NXT and, and even on the main roster where we have all different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. But here is where they were still kind of making that transition, especially yeah, with guys like Daniel Bryan, Caval and Husky Harris where they're a little bit either shorter or just a little bit you know huskier than, yeah, yeah this is um this was not the time for little dudes yeah, yeah or yeah. chubbier wrestlers to really flourish mm-hmm. it was all about the um it's all about the look at this time and i think about it like the miz really got himself over because well he was u.s champ so that didn't even yeah, really yeah, count yeah, yeah kofi kingston is a worker he had the workers title but if you weren't winning a wwe title no unless you had the physique yeah yeah, so I think this was the start of the the new era, so to speak, as far as more of that agile technical style. It and was really um I think when they put the strap on CM Punk for an extended oh, yeah, amount yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah. Like Ray Mysterio was champ, but that's more of a that's more of a 
this is for your accolades and yeah, what yeah. you've done. Yeah. Versus CM Punk holding that title for an extended time is almost like a changing of the guard saying, yeah, you yeah. know what? We're going to be okay with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to give you this theme song that you're most known for. So th- that was, I think that CM Punk era when he was the champ was a big turning point because it was the almost like the acknowledgement of the indies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that page just turned over because he was the same dude. They didn't change his name or nothing. And then he just kind of took over. Yeah, because I think before that, they were probably just kind of giving Benoit and Guerrero their thank you runs, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't turning the page, as you said, for that era of smaller guys. No, not yet. I think... Like Jericho and then all those WCW dudes came over who became champ. That's a, you know what? You guys have been doing this for so long. Yeah. Thank you for being, you know, dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus guys like Daniel Bryan and your CM Punks mm-hmm. and then your Cavals or your your smaller indie type guys. Yeah. There was more of a scratch and claw to that yeah, top. Yeah. Not really from CM Punk as much as it was like a cry and a gimme. Because he was like, as soon as he got there, he won a bunch of titles. Yeah, but then yeah, he was yeah. like, all right, I want more. It's like, what more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. And yeah, especially here, I think it was probably the year next year with Money in the Back where, yeah, Punk won the title. And then a couple of years later, down the line, that's where Daniel Bryan won. So mm-hmm. that, that's definitely when the, the page had officially turned. Oh, definitely. It's like, you know what? Little people, little lives matter, man. Like. <laughs> Not everybody could be six foot, period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shawn Michaels was like sub six foot, maybe. Yeah. After that, then we go to our main event of the night. It is a tag team match with what what are uh, what are our team names again? With- oh, man, we got Toll Roads. Yeah. Versus the world's strongest cannon. Yes. <laughs> so another thing I was just saying that uh, I feel bad for jamie keys because she still doesn't get her props but during this entrance i kind of noticed that i do kind of miss savannah a bit because (laughs) kind of that rule where she was a good announcer to the point where she is kind of like a good referee where if they're good they kind of stay in the background but you know that they're there (laughs) so i think that's what i picked up with savannah's announcing on season one where you know she was there because clearly she was announcing the names but she kind of just blended in well I think with Jamie Keys, she kind of has more of a rougher tone to her when she makes the announcement that I, I noticed her a lot for some reason. Hmm. And it made me ha- think about Savannah of like how easy Aww. it was for her. To, <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I wasn't even paying attention to her. I like I was watching the entrances yeah. and I could Cody's music at this time yeah, yeah, kills yeah. me. Yeah. So when I see them come out together, I'm just thinking you guys just look like a tag team. Yeah. yeah. A regular tag team with generic music country guys yeah yeah it fits husky more than it fits cody yes it does (laughs) i'm like why did why did you have your own theme oh this isn't yours yeah yeah (laughs) and then um when i look at lucky cannon and mark henry i love it because to me lucky cannon looks like a kid who got bullied every day oh yeah yeah, yeah. and mark henry got tired of it he's there to protect them yeah (laughs) they just have that that relationship looked together and I liked them. And I think Mark Henry liked him like mm-hmm. as a friend yeah, or he yeah. just opened in just a big bear type person. Yeah. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the, the commentators just kind of dropped this on us where they say that next week, the Nexus will be returning to NXT, which 
literally came out of nowhere and they didn't promote it at all during this whole episode. So not only that, it doesn't make sense because <laughs> they said it. And of course, a live crowd hasn't seen the graphic or anything. So they really don't know that this is something to watch out for next week. And yeah, the only thing I did like was that Michael Cole doesn't know why they're coming back. He So at least he kind of put that over and saying that I don't know what their agenda is and, and whatever. But as far as a promotional thing, they did a really bad job, I thought, of just dr- kind of just dropping this at the very last minute. I think maybe kayfabe wise, yeah, we're supposed to believe that that was breaking news. But they, yeah, they didn't. They didn't act yeah. like it. <laughs> you know, not even kayfabe could say. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that will be uh, what do we call it? That will be reflected in my production score for later. So, me too. <laughs> so we have here we have Lucky and Husky starting off the match. They, you know, they just did a few exchanges and then they. Uh, tagged right out with Cody and Mark Henry. I didn't realize this. I don't know why until now in this matchup, but yeah, Cody's in really good shape here. Once Cody got out of legacy. Yeah. 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 He got buff. Yeah. 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 It just, it just really caught me off guard. He just looked very striking, I guess is the word I was looking for. Dashing, dashing, (laughs) dashing before the dashing happened. So yeah, I think you're right. Once he got out of legacy, then that's where he really, because he was really scrawny looking Mm -hmm. in legacy. I do remember that. And I think it's also the fact that he doesn't wear knee pads. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it looks, he just has these naked looking legs. Yeah. Yeah. Once they uh, tag out, then Mark Henry hits a really nice delayed gorilla press slam. Yeah. I don't know. So I had here, I don't know if it's just because we're watching modern, WWE and NXT that we don't break down the performances as much because maybe we're paying attention too much to the current storylines. But now that we're kind of reviewing these classic NXT episodes, I think that's where now I'm appreciating more of the in-ring work and the overall performances because kind of what we were mentioning earlier where The Miz is a, a really good TV character and is able to play for the TV. Mm-hmm. Mark Henry and and Cody are the same way where they were just running that old school classic spot of doing a sunset flip and then Mark Henry teasing mm-hmm. that he's going to sit on him. And then he moved out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So it's just super old school wrestling storytelling. But the way they just do it, it's just it, it just shows you that the the formula still works as long as the performers can pull it off. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just like sometimes Every team has a go-to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wrestling has go-to plays that never fail. That a very educated watcher sees it and you're like, you're not going to sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're you enjoying it and you see it and it happens. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so no, I thought that this was a good match. Mm-hmm. It was very entertaining. I just like seeing... Um, it. I love... The thing I really like about this pro rookie thing is seeing the the blatant dichotomy between someone who's been in WWE and who has been on the yeah. cameras versus people who haven't. Because even though Caval is, you know, a world class tactician in the ring, he you can see that he's his pacing is too fast sometimes. Like he just gets in his mode and then you can see that he's almost moving a little too quickly for the situation. 
Because you could go back and think maybe you could have slowed down right there. Maybe you could have mm-hmm. slowed down here. It would have gave the other person some time to get up and turn and look in your direction. Because a lot of times when he's kicking people, like they're they're not that ready yet. Yeah. So there's where you can see the the polish, I guess, the difference there. So you know, just kind of going back to this match as the main event, like you can see the polish between the athletes in there, and I think. Um, the way that they put this one together was perfect because you essentially had almost three veterans in there right, with right. Lucky Cannon to really hide his his green with, you know, some veteranness. And in the same way for Harris to get more experience, you know, being in there as almost like a ring general, quote unquote, when yeah. Lucky Cannon's in the ring with him. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And similar to another recap that we had done earlier with the NXT breakout tournament. I think it's that same thing where a lot of these guys, you know, have a lot of experience on the indie scene, but this is their first time being able to perform in front of that WWE crowd Mm -hmm. and to get used to that style. So it's very similar to how you mentioned where, yeah, Husky is more of a veteran and of course has that in his, uh, in his family genes, Mm -hmm. but to be able to kind of improve already, it's kind of the same thing at, at a job, for instance, that you could be, a senior at at your position, but you can always still learn more and know what to do more to kind of advance in your career. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So in the uh, in the closing sequence, we had all four guys kind of uh, just kind of do that same spot of just causing mayhem at the end where the referee has to get gain control again. And during that, Lucky and Cody are the legal men. So while Lucky was distracted. Cody just kind of also <laughs> sneaked up on him and hit crossroads for mm-hmm. the, for the victory at three minutes. So, yeah, I think you just kind of recapped what I was going to say, where overall, I really like this match, too, because of just the uh, the veteran work by Henry and Cody and also just the uh, the way it made Lucky and Husky kind of shine as well. So, mm. yeah. I think it's cool to go back and watch this stuff with a with a different mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know my mind at this time in 2010, wrestling-wise, wasn't this mature. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I knew the spots. I knew the jargon. But I didn't really understand the logic. Mm-hmm. So now that I feel like that I have a greater grasp on wrestling logic, yeah. watching it, and being able to appreciate almost any match now, yeah, unless yeah. it's like a complete stinker. Yeah. I, you can really, if you understand the logic of why they're doing what they're doing, not only what they're doing and how they're doing it, then you get that like kind of the, I don't know, the holy trinity of like watching wrestling and under, and appreciating it too. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And yeah, kind of the same point I had brought up where now that we are watching these classic episodes, I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, we can take our time and break down these episodes mm-hmm. as opposed to just watching them because we just want to get caught up with the current storyline. Yeah, so, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. totally different. Yeah. It's totally different like atmosphere or just the way you're consuming it. Yeah, no, exactly. That pretty much wraps up the episode here. They, um, yeah, they kind of left it on that same cliffhanger of just saying that the Nexus was going to return to, to NXT next week. But don't really give any other details in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that ends episode 20. So uh, yeah, overall, I like the episode. I'll, I'll get into the fun facts before we get into the scoring. Not too much this week, but I had here a, a fun fact that Michael McGillicuddy now has tied 
Heath Slater in the longest undefeated streak at four and zero. So we'll see if uh, if McGillicuddy can keep it and surpass him to be the new record holder at that nice. point. Good old Michael McGilly cousin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we have 15 hours of NXT programming. And out of that, we have one third of it to actual wrestling because we broke the five hour mark at this point. So, nice. Yeah. Cool. Did you uh, want to start us off with the. Uh, I got you, baby. Um, commentary. Three. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. think there was anything extraordinary or underordinary. Mm-hmm. Underordinary. Mm-hmm. Underordinary about this uh, episode commentary wise. I mean, I could have docked them down with the whole next thing, but I think three was. Yeah. 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 Was appropriate. Yeah. Um, matches. Not going to lie to you. Four. Oh, wow. Okay. I somehow, some way, just enjoyed watching these matches that were presented to me. The two kind of sprinty matches mm-hmm. and in a long affair, I thought was a, a good mix. And then they fit in perfectly almost. I didn't feel like any of the matches were rushed as much as that opening segment just take a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, production, I actually went, I had it as three but I'm going to. Okay. Just because. No, I doesn't, you know what? Just two. Okay. It was just two. Yeah. And then entertainment, good matches aside, the production, production, <laughs> the production and the, the commentary being average. I think that uh, brought the inner, I don't know, like the matches are good, but the episode was not entertaining to me, even mm-hmm. though there was a bunch of stuff I was laughing at. Yeah. Overall, I just, something about it was not entertaining to me, so I went two. Oh, so I got okay. three, four, two, two. Oh, okay. Cool. I I think we're similar because I, I think I just kind of averaged everything out in a sense. Where for me, I, I kind of like commentary because mm. they did a bit of bickering, but it was entertaining. So I gave them a 3.5. Nice. And I was going to lower them for the same reason, but I don't think it was their fault that they had to kind of uh mentioned the nexus thing mm. i i docked that a little bit on production just because i, I think that's more on booking <laughs> bookings account as opposed to them you know telling you what the story was mm-hmm. so uh for matches i i gave it an average of a three because i i agree where the uh the longer the the long single match was really good and my match of the episode with cabal nice. and the miz but the other matches the other matches were good, but I think they were just a little on the mm. short side for me just because they were both three minutes exactly. Yeah. So if if they honestly ran maybe over five minutes, I, I probably would have bumped it up as you well. You know, man, yeah. I, I also really like symmetry. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that they had the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, I, I kind of like. <laughs> so I was going to give production a 3.5 as well, but I kind of just gave them a three <laughs> just because, yeah, with the overall, the production crew themselves did a really good job with the video packages as we mentioned but yeah with the booking i thought they could have uh they could have paced that a little bit better with the nexus storyline just because it has been the main focus point since they formed the the group that it felt kind of off that they didn't really bring up that fact that they were returning to nxt and seeing the fact that they came from nxt that you would have thought they that's a big deal yeah that's a big deal so yeah it's I kind of lowered it there and just gave him a three as opposed to a 3.5. But I did give entertainment a 3.5 just because, yeah, I found myself being really entertained by this episode. Just caught me off guard how long the first segment went, but I should say how long the first segment was. But 
it uh, still entertained me from uh, from start to finish. So I'll, I'll give him a pretty good score at that point. Nice. Cool. So with that, our combined score is a a three. Exactly a three. Wow. So you, that, you did average it out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, uh, a little bit lower than last week's, but I think it was a good episode. Yeah, I know we keep mentioning this that three may seem harsh, but it is out of five, so it really just fell on that average. So yeah, yeah, man, that's good. Like yeah. you know, don't average it up to ten and do percentages because sixty percent ain't good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But three out of five is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So that does it for this episode. Did you uh, did you have any plugs? Uh, I have a, a mini plug. Okay. This is a mini plug. This one's for Jay Z right. because Jay Z just became like the strand. Wow, strand brand strategist for a, uh, a dispensary in San Jose called Caliva. Uh-huh. So that's pretty cool. Oh, nice. Well, thanks again for tuning in. And yeah, if you uh, want to catch up with either season two or season one, we have all the episodes available on our Podbean spotify and itunes and that does it for us and thanks again for listening and take care zip it in and zip it out